From WOUB News, you're listening to The Outlet, where campus meets community. I'm Caleb McCleskey. Each week on The Outlet, we bring you stories from Southeast Ohio. This week on The Outlet, our look at the 2023 general election. An Athens High School rebuild is on the ballot. If you look at what we would expect from a modern building, that's not what we're getting right now. We have many issues in that building that are inherent to the design. So it's not maintenance, it's the fact that it was designed to do something else. And Ohio voters have the opportunity to decide if a right to an abortion should be in the state constitution. These stories and more right here on The Outlet. Voters in the city of Athens are voting this year to determine if the new high school should be rebuilt. Outlet reporter Silver Barker speaks with city officials to see what this levy could mean for the city. Leaking ceilings, broken floors, and outdated material. These are the current conditions of the Athens High School, a school that the Athens Board of Education wants to demolish and rebuild. There's a number of of things about that building that ultimately we really can't fix no matter how much money we throw at it. The school board projects the estimated cost to build the new high school to be about $58 million. In order to pay for it, the school board is asking voters to approve a $24 million bond issue on November's ballot, leading to a 2.06 mills increase in property taxes for Athens residents. For example, a home valued at $200,000 would have to pay $144 every year starting in 2025 for 30 years. Once the money is collected and a majority is spent, the state is going to pay $28.5 million. However, some Athens residents in the community are upset. Stop. No more levies. No going out to the community for more money. Just, just, just stop. Superintendent Tom Gibbs says this is a position the school board did not expect themselves to be in. In 2018, the initial plan of the Athens School Board was to improve all of their facilities through a $60.5 million levy approved by voters. While a majority of the money collected was spent on the rehabilitation of the elementaries and middle school, the school board planned to combine the remaining amount with pending state money to build the new high school. COVID hit spring 2020. Uh, that's when we were hoping to get a state approval around that time. Uh, the state put on hold many state projects, including prisons, schools. Uh, they actually kind of froze the capital budget for a, for a period of time. They currently have $6 million left from the levy approved in 2018, an amount that some would argue is more than enough to fix the current high school. $6 million is a lot of money. And they've got a lot of deferred maintenance. This is a really important point. Uh, and I think what they did was they deferred a lot of this maintenance to justify, well, we ought to get rid of this building because it's old and, and going forward. But Gibbs says with the rise of inflation in recent years, $6 million isn't a sufficient amount. If it costs $58 million to build a new building that size, $6 million to renovate an existing building isn't, isn't going to get very far into all of, the, uh, all of the things that need to be accomplished. Other residents agree it is time for a new building as they worry for the sustainability of the current one. If you look at what we would expect from a modern building, that's not what we're getting right now. We have many issues in that building that are inherent to the design. So it's not maintenance. It's the fact that it was designed to do something else. The new building would consist of new amenities, including an auxiliary gym. It would be built in the two-level parking lot located next to the new high school. If passed, construction would start in 2025. 
a decision left in the hands of the community. Reporting for The Outlet, I'm Silver Barker in Athens. The Alexander School District looks to renew a levy to help with the district's budget. Outlet reporter Parker Kapranik has more on what could happen if the levy doesn't pass. The Alexander Local School District is looking to renew a 1% levy that taxes earned income only and provides roughly 11% of the district's budget. If not renewed, the levy is scheduled to expire in 2025, and given the difficulty the district has had passing the levy, it took six tries over three years. It's trying to get it passed sooner than later. Since it passed in 2019, the district has been able to grow its preschool, expand staff, cut athletic fees, and introduce a free breakfast program. While Alexander spends less than the state average per student, they still received a 4.5 rating on Ohio's school report card. Board member Dr. William Ramsey believes the performance warrants support. It's a good investment, it's a lot of bang for the buck, and uh, if we start to see a, a reduction in that support, it's going to be difficult to uh, give those same opportunities to our students. It's going to be difficult to support our staff at the levels we are now. If the levy does not pass, the school will have to decide on cutting programs like free breakfast, making changes to the transportation system, increasing the student-to-teacher ratio. Superintendent Will Hampton fears a return to the basics. What's at stake really is us going back to bare minimums. If we don't have the resources to offer these extras and these enhancements, we'll have to go back to minimums. In a survey sent out by the district, the community seems divided. With 150 responses, 39% of people are for, 41% are against, and 20% are undecided. Prospective board member Stephen Crook believes the levy needs to pass, but acknowledges a disconnect between district and community. The students need it, the teachers need it, uh, all the staff needs it, um, and our community needs it. People don't feel like they are getting enough information and in the full story on where the funds are being spent. Levy Committee Chair Jordan Hill says the disconnect comes from misinformation. If you're saying the district has irresponsible spending, well, if you check out our fact page, I have a lot of, we have a lot of facts where it proves otherwise. I just hope people are open-minded enough to look at those things and not make their assumptions based on what they hear out in the neighborhood or maybe on Facebook, because there is a ton of disinformation out there that's just not fair to the district and to the kids. Ramsey says passing a levy boils down to the support of students. When we were kids, um, somewhere, somewhere, somebody gave us an opportunity, somebody believed in us, and uh, I, I, I do expect that the community will rally around and do the same thing for these kids. If the district is unable to pass the levy, they will have two more attempts to renew it. Reporting for The Outlet, I'm Parker Kapranica. Recreational marijuana could become legal in the state of Ohio. Outlet reporter Reese Thompson speaks with local business owners about how this issue could make an impact. If Ohio passes issue two, how would marijuana use be implemented in the society, Reese? Overall, society has opened up a lot more to the idea of marijuana and cannabis use based on the increasing support from groups and political parties around the nation. The first two states to legalize recreational marijuana were Washington and Colorado, and now we have 23 states that have legalized recreational cannabis use especially during the COVID-19 pandemic when states and local governments were closing retail operations. The state of Ohio, alongside with other state health departments, affirmed that cannabis dispensaries are actually considered essential business. When I talked to the CEO of Harvest, Ariane Kirkpatrick, who owns a medical dispensary down on Union Street here in Athens, 
She told me this raises an alarming message to consider as to why it is considered essential. And she plans to see an increase in sales by opening up her medical inventory by adding recreational inventory as well. Yeah, and then in order to legally sell recreational marijuana or start a dispensary, it requires getting a dispensary license. Reese, would you say this is an easy process for local businesses interested in doing so? Not exactly. This is a new industry, and Kirkpatrick said it's not like opening up a car dealership or drugstore where you have a model to follow. They are creating the model, and with that comes a lot of uncertainty. I talked to Silver Serpent manager last week, Alex Schwartz, and he told me he feels like it is a more complicated process for a small business. Holding a dispensary license in Ohio right now is an $80,000 biannual fee, and he says that the cost may not outweigh the gamble of selling recreational cannabis. It's something that the company is looking at right now, but says the likelihood is probably really low due to the price. And then what economic opportunities is issued to offer the local businesses if the law gets passed, and what can people expect the outcome to be about the issue? Micah McCary from City Council said their main concern is behavioral and health-wise and said ultimately this change is inevitable. We've already seen those 23 states legalize recreational cannabis use and it will likely be passed in the upcoming election according to what McCary has heard and noticed. What he is focusing on is making the transition for Ohio as productive and as smooth as possible. Being in Southeast Ohio, one of the poorest communities in the country, McCary says we need to go with our strengths, which is agriculture. Athens County has a cannabis museum and other programs in the area that can educate people about marijuana. If places in Athens are successful in recreational marijuana sales, this can be an economic driver to attract visitors in the community as well. McCary says he thinks there might even be opportunities for Athens in the same way Athens has Brew Week as a way to generate revenue through programs and events that involve cannabis. That was reporter Reese Thompson with WOUB Public Media. You can find more about Reese's story online at woub.org. Ohioans take to the ballot box to decide whether or not to enshrine the right to an abortion in the state's constitution. Outlet reporter Madeline Hardin takes a look at what voters can expect from the results. As the amendment reads, a vote for yes supports the amending of the Constitution to protect the right to make and carry out one's own reproductive decisions. This includes decisions on fertility treatment, birth control, and abortion. But it would also allow the state to restrict abortion after fetal viability, except when necessary to protect the pregnant patient's life. A vote for no rejects the measure. Voters can expect challenges from all sides after Election Day. Right now, while legal challenges to a law that banned abortion after six weeks went into effect with the overturning of Roe, people can get an abortion up until 22 weeks into the pregnancy. But if issue one fails, the period in which someone could get an abortion will depend on the outcome of the legal challenge before the Ohio Supreme Court. Protect Women Ohio, an opponent group of issue one, campaigns against the measure's wide scope. Because if issue one passes, it is essentially game over in Ohio. We will have the most extreme abortion regime in the entire country cemented in our constitution. And there is nothing we can do about that. Protect Women Ohio says that the passage of issue one will close the door on the debate about when someone can get an abortion in Ohio. The organization has rallied against issue one to protect parental rights along with health and safety precautions. An OU health policy expert, however, sees a different outlook for the state. 
what most Ohioans can look forward to if issue one passes is an end to the uncertainty uh, that we've seen for months and years now. Even if issue one passes, experts say this doesn't mean the fight for abortion is over. If issue one passes, it will be the beginning of a new politics in Ohio as well. Ohio Right to Life and other groups will surely regroup and try to devise other um, strategies for um, limiting access to abortion in Ohio. And issue one as written doesn't completely close the door. Regardless of the outcome on election day, the fight over the issue will continue. For The Outlet, I'm Madeline Hardin. Several candidates for the city of Nelsonville look to fill in spots for city council. Outlet reporter Haley Hollinger has more on what this race means for the city. So what does this election race look like, Haley? Right now, it seems like anyone's game, at least for candidates running for a four-year term on council, there are two two-year term seats open and two candidates running. Greg Smith and Corey Taylor will fill those spots. Tony Dunphy, Justin Booth, Doug Childs, Dan Sherman, Rita Wynn, and Nancy Sonic are the six four-year term candidates. The candidates are also choosing to run as groups. There are signs posted around the city promoting voters to vote for a group of three candidates. Dunphy, Booth, and Childs are running together, and Sherman, Wynn, and Sonic are running together. And are separate candidate groups unusual for this race? Yes, they are. It is not a common occurrence in local government, and it amplifies the division that we've seen on council for the past few months. In June and July, it was visible based on the way votes went and the commentary that would occasionally ensue before executive sessions. So while it is unusual, after looking at this particular council's history, it's not a total shocker. So what qualities could citizens be looking for in council members? After talking to the city manager, Tom Kanjemi, and taking the public's reactions, citizen interest is going to be big in the election. Who's going to do what is the most helpful and beneficial for the citizens? That's what voters are going to be looking at. The Athens County League of Women's Voters held a forum about a month ago, and all of the candidates that attended that forum seemed to agree on the issues that were brought to the group. Infrastructure, annexing, they all agreed they just wanted to make Nelsonville better, a better place for people to come visit, to vacation, to live. They just wanted to make the city better. And Haley, would you say that making the city better would be the biggest goal for the council in the upcoming years? Yes, I would say so. They're already doing things to try and help improve the city infrastructure-wise, like paving roads that need repaved, cleaning up the streets as far as cars that have been sitting there for years, getting those finally off the streets, more code enforcement kind of things to just help the city look nicer. And it's just going to be very important for the council in the coming years to also listen to the public and what the public needs instead of focusing maybe in other areas. Really listening to the public is going to be key, especially in this election. Whoever people feel like will listen to them and take what they're saying and actually do something about it, that's who they're going to vote for because you, you don't want your community to be unhappy and you don't want people with ulterior motives on council, stuff like that. So citizen interest is going to be number one and I think infrastructure and overall improvement of the city is number two 
for these voters looking at the election. Of course, that's the way I see it, and it could differ in some people's minds, but those are definitely the top two things that people are going to be looking for when they're voting in this election. That was reporter Haley Hollinger with WOUB Public Media. You can find more about Haley's story online at woub.org. The race for Athens' next mayor is coming to a close. Outlet reporter Jack Green joins us to talk about the candidates running for this year. Who are the candidates running for this election, Jack? So running for this year's mayor's race is uh, current mayor Steve Patterson. He's running for his third term. And then running against him for the second time he ran against him in 2019 is uh, Damon Crane. Yeah, and then what are both of these candidates campaigning for? Mayor Patterson is running on continuing his work to try and make Athens uh, more affordable, uh, building more affordable housing here in in Athens, uh, while also at the same time helping get money, get funds, so that the city can better enforce its code and hire more enforcement officers. To Damon's point, he agrees with Patterson. They both really want to work on housing. But Damon actually wants to tighten up the city's code and raise fines, along with then hiring more enforcement officers. This way, because both Patterson and Crane have said that the city has really faltered on reinspections and it's caused a lot of situ uh, caused a lot of code violations to slip through the cracks. And part of that is just because there's not enough people in the code enforcement office to go and do these re-inspections. Uh, another thing that Patterson is running on is really trying to better the infrastructure around the city, not only just to make it better, but to kind of make the city more carbon efficient. Crane's also been really talking about getting Ohio University students involved in government. He says that the city has really isolated the student population from city government and says that the best way to drive up voter turnout in elections such as this one where we have really key issues on the ballot, he's saying that by not debating on campus, by not having contested races within city government because city council's up but none of the races are contested, it's actually kind of not it's not helping voter turnout in the city and could continue the isolation of students in Athens County but yeah so those that's kind of what the two men are running on but yeah they're very similar but at the same time they have very subtle differences so Jack what differences have you seen between both candidates from this year's election to what happened in 2019's election so back in 2019 like we talked about Crane ran against Patterson then during that election, Crane actually lost by about 1,500 votes, uh, so a pretty substantial margin. By voter by percentile standards, that's 22% to about 77%. So it, it was a very big uh, margin. But Crane this year really wants to kind of chip away at voters that are kind of on that periphery of the Patterson wagon and kind of being like, well, I do like Patterson, but I don't like the way the city is being run recently. And so he's kind of trying to chip away at them and trying to be like, well, let's get some new per- someone else in government. Let's get something. Let's get someone else in there. Let's get new, fresh ideas. But on Patterson's side, something that he talked about that's something different. Obviously, both of them kind of don't have very much of a big campaign um, in the city. Uh, not a very big, super big presence campaign wise. 
But Patterson is going door to door um, and he says he's meeting voters where they're at. Um, He told me something that is new compared to last time he did that is it's a little bit more strategic. He's gathered some voting data and has kind of put kind of looked at who voted for who voted for Crane last time around and has kind of walked over to those houses and engaged with them a little bit more to kind of try and sway them to vote for him. But yeah, so that's kind of the difference, just kind of the engagement and just the style and campaigning that they've been doing. For people who live in the city of Athens, but also the students who are here for majority of the year, where can these people go to vote for this election? So if you're if you live in the city of Athens, um, you can head to and even if you're a student, you can head to the Athens County Board of Elections website. There you can get a precinct map that will tell you where you can vote. As for the university, I believe they sent out an email that says this is people's precinct locations. That was reporter Jack Green with WOUB Public Media. You can find more about Jack's story online at WOUB.org. That's all we have for you this week. Thanks for listening to the Outlet's 2023 General Election Preview. The Outlet is produced each week by me, Kayla McCleskey. We're edited by Teach Baidia, Aaron Payne, and David Forster. Adam Rich is our technical assistant, and our theme music is performed by Ryan Gabos. Enjoy our show? Tell a friend to give us a listen. They can subscribe to the outlet on SoundCloud or Spotify, as well as Apple Podcasts, or find us online at woub.org. They can also follow us on Twitter at outlet underscore woub and Instagram at newswatch underscore W-O-U-B. We'll be back next week with more stories from Southeast Ohio.